Welcome to Ask Cadence, everybody. Thank you for downloading and listening this week. My name is Pete Wright. I'm sitting around the table here with John Patton. Again, John, hello. Hello, Pete. And Scott Lissett. Scott, welcome back. Hi, Pete. Good to be here. Excellent. So we have an issue uh, that you're going to help introduce uh, for us, Scott, and it's, uh, well, it's a very simple one uh, that I'm going to read and let you fill in the blanks. What do you do when you're working on a project and your vendors are behind, unresponsive, or incompetent? Well, that's a great question, Pete, and um, this is something that comes up many, many times um, when um, I'm out uh, delivering seminars in project management, and I, I hear this from uh, large companies and small companies, anybody who uses vendors, and a lot of companies do use vendors these days because they want to have the benefit of uh, an outside uh, specialist or expert uh, taking on part of the project work. Now, when you do that, um, there are some guidelines that uh, we're going to recommend. Um, number one is invite the vendor to become part of the core team. Uh, what that does is that allows them to be active participants in the uh, planning of the project. Um, sometimes uh, if they're not involved in that planning uh, and they're really kept at arm's length, uh, then they don't uh, see the big picture. They don't see what's happening on the project and they don't know how to properly integrate their own work uh, into the rest of the team's work. Um, now, keep in mind, if you do invite them to be uh, on the core team, then they will see then everything that's being done on the project. Uh, and if that's okay, uh, then this is a good strategy. Um, one particular sticky area that uh, people encounter is what do you do with schedules? Um, the vendor may have their own very detailed schedule for how they may design and, and manufacture or debug uh, a certain uh, a product which they are con contributing to the project. And the question is, should the uh, project manager include that very detailed schedule in its entirety on the main uh, schedule for the project? And my, my answer is no. Uh, just imagine if a vendor had a 20,000-line schedule, uh, very detailed activities. Do you really want that in your master schedule? No. However, you need to put uh, some of the activities from that schedule, some of the milestones, some of the activities in the master schedule so that you uh, understand what's happening, uh, you can track their progress, and you can integrate uh, uh, your uh, uh, project team's uh, activities with uh, the work that's being done by the vendor. I'm curious, Scott, what do you see? Uh, it, you know, what is the tendency uh, of, of project teams to, do they include the schedule, uh, the vendor schedules in their entirety or, or do they not? What, what do you see in the, in the space? I see some of them trying to and really uh, then causing uh, their master schedule to be unnecessarily long and complex. Uh, and then you, f you find that it becomes uh, unworkable uh, because the team has to sort through so many tasks to figure out what they're supposed to be doing. So you end up having to have enough to be able to maintain control but not enough to overwhelm you. Uh, here, here you go. Yeah, all this conversation here reminds me 
of, of a very hot topic in project management today, and that's complexity. And complexity comes out of, of the merger between order and chaos. And you, you talk about you know, uh, complexity theory or chaos theory. So to get away from order, which is really uh, just stalls the whole project because there's too much detail, you need empowerment. And, and we see extreme empowerment when the project team treats the vendor as a black box. And there are no milestones, there are no tracking mechanisms. And the project manager says to the vendor, how's it going? The vendor says, fine, until there's an oops on the delivery date. Now, at the, so it, at one end, to get away from making it unmanageable because you've complicated it so much with all this detail, you have to empower that vendor. You gotta have some control as well. So the, I, I would say you base the control and, and the detail that you have in the merged project plan on the past performance of that vendor. So if the vendor always deliver, delivers, and you can count on them, then I do milestones. And if it's a, a regular vendor, uh, you know, uh, people that have a good reputation and we're using them for the first time, then I'd give them the same guidelines that I'd give other members of the team. Use our three-week rule. You know, keep breaking tasks down until no task is longer than three weeks. But uh, if, as in, in one case, we had uh, the vendor was on probation with the company, then the, the, the vendor representatives is, is an indig, uh, integrated member of the core team. And uh, their granularity, that is the, the shortest duration at the lowest level, subtask say level, is going to be shorter than three weeks. Well, you know, the, we fra want to watch them. the phrase that uh, comes to mind when you say that, John, is trust but verify. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which I know that before. <laughs> yeah, which I know comes from a political yeah. uh, context. But um, uh, if it's a good, solid vendor, you've worked with them before, trust but uh, uh, schedule site visits, uh, uh, look for milestones that they're committing to achieve. Uh, ask them to provide uh, weekly uh, project status reports. Uh, you really want to keep, uh, keep an eye on what's happening. But if they show that they're not dependable and they're not reliable and, and uh, schedule starts to slip, you've got to really increase your oversight. Uh, you've got to uh, visit more often. Maybe you want to uh, put uh, somebody on site there for extended periods of time, mm -hmm. uh, and you really got to tighten your control over them. And if that happens, um, uh, now the project, I think, uh, is in danger of going into crisis. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. As, as their performance becomes more critical, the, the more you manage them. And I certainly agree with Scott uh, on the site visits and, and bringing not only yourself, the project manager, a technical expert, uh, expert and even um, procurement, the people who wrote the, the contract with them. Now, b before we leave this topic, though, I want to go into the prevention. How do you prevent this difficult relationship with a vendor? Which is exactly what I have running through my head here, because it seems like everything we're talking about is a strategy to really help the vendor help themselves. Yes. To remove appearance of incompetence when... Well, Really, what, clarity what, would help. What that. we like to do in working with our customers is is set up the best possible environment from the beginning, and that really is in contract negotiation. And there are four key clauses that we really require in the uh, in a contract with a vendor. Uh, 
Uh, number one uh, requirement is that they name their project manager in the contract. So that name is there. Sometimes the salespeople in vendor environments land a contract not even knowing if we have the resources to carry it out. So we want them to name their focal point driver, their project manager. Number two, that they will use our company's methodology. You know, the client, they're, they're, they're the vendor, we're the buyer, so they're gonna use our methodology. And if their people don't know our project management methodology, they're gonna learn it. Now that's an interesting one. Do you run into to conflicts there? I would Absolutely. imagine, in particularly the engineering and software well, development. In a contract negotiation, yeah. Uh, you know, what we hear is we've never done that before. And, and we just say, yes, I believe you. Because they're afraid it's going to cost them money to send their people through training and time and yeah. it's going to eat into yeah. the project. Well, uh, in, in one case, uh, in a, before I founded Cadence, I was working in a company. I paid for the training because I felt it was, it was very important. Now, number three is that uh, they will provide the level of detail in scheduling that we request. And, and, and see, if you don't get that in the contract uh, ahead of time, it's sometimes really hard to pull it out of them. And then number four, that they'll come to status meetings with the frequency with which we request. That fourth one is the only one which is easy to do uh, to get because they'll bill us uh, for attending those meetings. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's talking sort of in an adversary relationship, and I, I really don't want to apply that. But uh, we, we, we have to have the contact. John, can I add a fifth? Sure. I'm okay. open. I got um, my pen out and ready right. to write. Um, I like adding incentive clauses to uh, contracts with vendors that uh, rewards them for uh, on-time performance or even exceeding performance. Uh, so if they deliver on time or if they deliver early, uh, then they, they get a bonus. Do you balance that with penalties for being late? Well, I think you can, yes. If you can get away with it, yeah. it's, it's certainly... Yeah. Uh, good. Yeah. So it's it's, it's common it's, in construction, and and that's using both the carrot and the stick approach. Mm-hmm. One thing um, uh, also that uh, is important is if the vendor project manager um, is not performing well, uh, you uh, need to be able to uh, ask the vendor to replace that project manager. So uh, we said we were going to put into the contract that we wanted them to identify beforehand who the uh, who their pro- project manager was. And the caveat that I would add to that is that once it's underway, uh, if they are performing well, terrific. If they're not performing well, we want to be able to have some influence. And that, boy, that starts to open up a, a whole new specter because... Uh, we, we certainly want them not to change out the project manager if that project manager is working well for us. Yeah, good. And we want the ability to ask them to change out the project manager if they're not working well for us. Yeah. Yeah, see, we need to remember, we're the customer. Yeah. We're the customer, and we have the right to request uh, as many of these things as the vendor will agree to. However, there's got to be some balance in there because I've been on the other end where the, where the buyer has, has been, you know, pretty high handed. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to take something and insist mm-hmm. on it, we've got to be ready to give something good. as well. Yeah, good. Because the end objective really is to create a, a mutually beneficial 
relationship Excellent. and all yeah. of these strategies. Let, yes, let's always remember that a contract documents our understanding, and that's why we're doing it. We're not preparing for litigation. We're documenting our understanding. That's a great framework. And if we do this right up front, uh, then we really increase the odds of having a smooth, well-functioning team. And that's our goal. Thank you for listening, everybody, to another episode of Ask Cadence. Have a happy new year. Uh, we will be, uh, uh, you will hear from us again uh, after the break, and uh, uh, we will rejoin you with Ask Cadence in 2009. It's been a great year, Pete. Thank you. Indeed it has. Thank Thanks, you. Chance.